Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Cyclone Insider, powered by GMIG's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. All right, guys, welcome to this week's installment of Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register here on 1460 KXNO. Uh, finally got a football game to watch over the weekend. And, uh, you know, it's Tuesday night. We've we've hashed this out quite a bit here on KXNO, but I do want to get the, the thoughts from Randy Peterson and Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register. Uh, gentlemen, uh, first of all, I'll start with you, Tommy. Welcome to uh, Big 12 Game Week. Finally. I'm, I mean, I'm just shocked we had a, had a game in. First. Yeah, this sucks though, Peterson. For Iowa State, you, you'll lose the game one. You you really can't get anything going offensively in game two. Um, defense was great, by the way. We all we all know that. But then you got to play Oklahoma, who like I was looking it up the other night, like points per possession at this point. They're like four point four. It's insane. Like the numbers just gaudy. That's a tough chore coming up on Saturday at eleven o'clock. I don't think. The defense, though, that Iowa State faces on Saturday is going to be as good as the Iowa defense. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, I think that Iowa defense, and I know fans hate when I say this, but I think that Iowa defense is one of the best Iowa State will face all year. So in that respect, Iowa State knows what they have to do. They know the corrections that have to be. um, They know what has to be changed. There were two big... um, Differences, problems Saturday, obviously number one was the offensive line, and number two was the inability for the coaches to make adjustments on the fly. Iowa adjusted on the fly. Iowa moved, you know, those linebackers that Iowa stayed so nicely, so um, so entertainingly, whatever the word is, they, they exploited the Iowa's, Iowa's linebackers, the first possession. Very simple Iowa, Iowa countered very simply. They just backed them up three or four yards. So they took away that space. Iowa's coaches did not adjust successfully. And I don't know whether that was because of the, the offensive line was horrible or, or what. But there was other, you know, there's stuff going on in that game that, that you get that stuff out of the way, usually in game one, but this was game one. Yeah, it, it certainly wasn't an ideal situation, Tommy. I don't think anybody here thought the offensive line would be great this year. At least you, you shouldn't have. I thought that was it. Was it was it worse than you thought it would be? Yeah, but it's it's really hard to tell because that's as good of a defensive line as they're going to play all season. I mean, that's yeah. to me the two biggest areas that really come into. Um, question when you're talking about that first game being rained out or lightninged out is the idea that your offensive line got no experience. They're getting thrown to the wolves, thrown into the deep end of um, you know having to face one of the best defensive lines in the nation. That's not an easy way to start the season. Second was the punting game, which was Ooh. you know a massive struggle early on. Those are all kind of kinks that you kind of get out of the way in that first game. I'm not saying that's the reason why Iowa State lost this game. I I think even if they get that first game under their belt, they they probably don't win this game. But um, you know, it's interesting. Randy mentioned the play calling. I right away I think it was that third and one on the Iowa one yard line where Iowa State went with the fade to Akeem Butler. Right away my first thought was, 
Wow, I think there are a lot of people that probably owe Tom Manning uh, some apologies because remember last year, Tom Manning just got ripped to shreds for the Texas game <clears throat> where Iowa State didn't utilize David Montgomery enough. Turns out that was a lot of read option packages where Jacob Park just kept it. Then time and time again over the last two years, we've seen some real funky play calling, I think specifically once Iowa State's gone inside the red zone. It's almost like they're trying to get a little bit too creative. Well, now I think what we saw against the Hawkeyes is kind of what we've seen the last two years once they've gotten into the red zone, which kind of makes me believe, hey, you know, Matt Campbell had his hand in the play calling cookie jar a lot more than uh, than people realize. I think that's fair. I also think it's interesting to – I would like to know, and they'll never tell us this because it's such a strategic thing. But with Kyle Kemp, I think one of the things that Matt Campbell's really liked about the idea of him being the quarterback is that he's so – He's so smart he can really audible on the fly, and I think that he gets a ton of decision-making power when they're at the line of scrimmage and whatnot. And I do think it gets interesting when you look at the possibility of Kemp's not being able to go on Saturday specifically against Omaha, Omaha, Oklahoma. Um, I think the offense could look considerably different in that game, not only to your point, Pete, that I don't think that Oklahoma's defense is nearly what Iowa's was, but if you have, if you take the Kemp aspect out of that offense, it's a lot more scripted type of plays that are being called from the press box, uh, you know, where the, where the offensive coaches are or, or from Campbell down on the sideline. I think you have a very different looking offense, specifically if Zeb Nolan's the quarterback. My thing is the way the offense kind of looks with and without Zeb is, I kind of look at from the vantage point that, hey, the game plan still exists of find a way to get the ball to your playmakers in open space and let them take off. That's screen passes, you know, uh, passes to the sidelines, stuff like that. Those are all things that are in the playbook with Kyle Kemp. They don't leave the playbook when Zeb Nolan takes over. I think if Zeb Nolan is starting on Saturday, the playbook probably opens up more in terms of what you can do deeper down the field and taking more shots because you know Zeb does have more of a, a ability there to stretch the field than Kyle Kemp does. That, and I think he just has... Randy, he's just more of a risk taker. Kyle's one of the strengths that Matt Campbell loves about him is he doesn't turn the ball over. He had three three interceptions in all of last season. I think Zeb's more of your Brett Favre type gunslinger. He's going to turn the ball over more as well. Right, right, and and that's okay. It's it's Iowa State may have to um, do kind of do all kinds of funky stuff to win this game um, with with Zeb. He's not going to be able to sit back in the pocket and go and throw deep. That ain't happening, because of the, unless the offensive line really improves. So he's going to have to roll out, and Zeb can roll out better than um, than than Kyle, I think. So I think I think Zeb's more of an athlete. Yeah, and he can throw on the run better than Kyle. I was just going to say, and he can throw on the run. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. So I think that that it does open up the playbook, and I think that you're going to see a lot of. A lot of stuff like that. And also, like I thought we'd see against Iowa, I think you're going to – it would not surprise me to see Real Mitchell in run-pass option stuff also. I really thought Iowa State – although Iowa State was never out of that game until the last five minutes or whatever. But I thought that, that they would would use Real Mitchell at some point 
with the run pass option, and that's certainly um, a possibility on Saturday. We did see uh, when Kyle got dinged up, uh, Real Mitchell did warm up, he up. On, on Saturday. And, um, you know, it was probably smart not to put him in because of the, the four-game thing. If you don't have to put him in at that point, the game was kind of in doubt by, by then to save him. But what do you think about that, Tommy? Because that is interesting. I would love to see that wrinkle personally. I think this offense needs all the wrinkles they could get. Do you, do you think we could see the freshman? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of assumed it would happen at some point this season. And even late in the <clears> – <throat> in the game I thought it may happen this is how I kind of see you know Iowa State may say you know Campbell may say something differently but how I almost assume the depth chart kind of forms is Kyle Kemp's one Zeb Nolan's two and then it's kind of a weird spot between Brock Purdy and Real Mitchell where I think Real Mitchell just brings that extra element of running style that um, nobody else on the team can bring but Purdy offers more of a an actual quarterback. He is probably more prepared to actually run the offense, be the yeah. full-time quarterback, than Real Mitchell is, just from a skill set standpoint, which is kind of interesting given the fact that Real Mitchell graduated early. He's been on campus for a while. But I think kind of the entire game plan is to kind of limit what he can do right now because they don't have big plans for him anyway. So, yeah. Um, to me, that's that's the real interesting part. And another dynamic to all this is I've kind of always assumed at some point during the season we were going to be having a legitimate quarterback competition talk. Now, I think even, it's it's already here. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I I thought even if Kyle Kemp did not get hurt, we were going to be reaching this point. And um, you know, one of the most, probably the biggest knocks on Zeb Nolan is the decision-making factors. Well, you look at last season, I mean, last season was essentially his true freshman season because he had that ACL uh, tear where he's out that first year. He has a year of learning under his belt. I, I, I look at almost the Iowa game as a complete wash because, you know, they were, by that point, they were pressing, they were doing things to try to score fast and yeah. probably not. Uh, that wasn't the system. Like, he, yeah. he got put into a weird yeah. spot. So I'm really intrigued by the idea that, you know, about Zeb Nolan starting not only, you know, possibly starting at this point, and now that he's got a year under his belt and he, he's got plenty of mistakes that he's learned from, we we could see the quarterback that, you know, they were very high high on when he came. I mean, this he's got a great skill set. He is a smart kid, too. You know, it's a kid who is the son of a, you know, yeah. a football coach. I remember when he first came to Iowa State, Matt Campbell saying that Zeb would come, you know, show up at the football complex. And I think even tell Matt, like, he would be drawing up plays for him. And he'd be like, Campbell would be like, we, we got plays. But he loves, he loves that about him. So even though he isn't Kyle Kemp from, you know, the um, football intelligence standpoint, there's no reason to believe he can't improve on that and maybe get closer to that than where he was last season. It's a little coincidental, Pete, that last year before the Oklahoma game, Zeb Nolan was getting tossed around. We didn't know if he would start. Uh, who, who could forget when you guys were in Norman and the, the Jacob Park story came out, right? 
and here we are a year later. Oklahoma's coming up, and a very different reason. It's because of a Kyle Kempt injury. It's not anything like the Park situation. But you've got Zeb Nolan, who's going to be used as a bit, a bit of a piece of bait all week long for the Oklahoma Sooners. We're in the exact same spot. Yeah, that's, I asked Lincoln Riley about that yesterday on the teleconference and wrote about it for today. Yeah, he said they were obviously in the same spot last year, and he said this year in two games they've already faced five different quarterbacks. Wow. He said, in five, so he says, okay, so big deal. We're going to, you know, we're going to face another quarterback quandary, I guess. So they just have to prepare. He said they have to prepare for schemes and not so much for players. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it is that situation. We shall see. I, just for the pure excitement aspect, I hope that what you're saying about Real Mitchell comes true. I would like to see the, the multiple guys. We did see, too, um, and, and they never got in a, really in a spot to use it again, but the David Montgomery Wildcat on Saturday at Iowa City. It's easy to, in hindsight, I, I would have loved to have seen that just run that three times and see what happens. But that perhaps could be the new Joel line package. I was, yeah, I mean, I guess I was kind of looking at it from – Real Mitchell could kind of be that guy, obviously not you know the same different style, yeah, different style, but kind of be a red zone type guy, but to kind of be the yin and yang to David Montgomery because you've got David Montgomery who can bulldoze his way through, and then if you throw at them Real Mitchell, that's an entirely different dynamic, but that's um. That's going to be interesting to see. I mean, that was really interesting to see because I think in that Wildcat formation, Cal Kemp lined lined up at uh, wide receiver, yeah, he right? Was. So he was. yeah, it was it was interesting. All right, um, we are going to talk about Matt Campbell's press conference today. Anything new from Iowa State? But when we come back, I do want to get an update from these guys on the status of that twelfth game for Iowa State. Uh, Jamie Pollard made some comments on last night's coaches corner show that you heard here on KX. You know, we'll kind of hash that out. See an update from that next here on Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. All right, guys, welcome back. Segment two here with the Des Moines Register uh, 1460 KXNO Cyclone Insider program. Randy Peterson and Tommy Birch join me and. Uh, Pete, last night Jamie Pollard made some, I thought, interesting comments, kind of confusing comments. Anything that has to do with the NCAA gets a little bit confusing. But Iowa State actually reached out to Drake to play that 12th game. That's fascinating to me. I do like the aspect of keeping that money in state, you know, going 30 miles down the road. Um, but it got shot down from what I understand. The NCAA is has its head in the sand on, again, on all of this situation. There's going to be a number of games lost on the East Coast Mm -hmm. this weekend because of the hurricane. The NCAA needs to do one of two things. Number one, they need to allow the FCS teams to play an additional game if, in fact, they want to. They need to allow them to do that. Number two, if that's not a situation, the NCAA needs to get off its high horse and say that teams that Division One teams that had cancellations, the cancellations forced them into 11 game schedules and they won just five of those 11 games. Yet they're still eligible for bowl games. I mean, it's it's all in the NCAA right now. Um, they can make it very clean and very simple by just allowing 
you know, five five win teams that had canceled games and a and a eleven game schedule to get into bowl games or allow the FCS opponents yeah. to play an additional game. I really like your your first idea specifically, just because. Those FCS schools, for the most part, I mean, just look at the one here in our state, Northern Iowa. You're telling me they couldn't use an extra $500,000 check for that athletic department, you know, from a, from a Big Ten or a, or a Big 12 or an ACC-type school. It's it's good for everybody. I would also say, Tommy, just from a competitive standpoint, let's just use Iowa State as the example. If you get 11 games, let's say that they don't even need um, – the 12th game to get to six okay let's say that they have seven wins at the end of the year is a hypothetical you still want the 12th game if you can because of this new freshman rule and there's a competitive aspect of this i think that is more significant this year than it would have been a year ago yeah that's kind of what i've been saying all along is that you're talking about guys like real mitchell and brock purdy who could play in that game and get substantial playing time. Yeah, well, I mean, if they're playing if, Drake, yeah. Brock Purdy's probably playing the whole game. You you may be starting Brock Purdy yeah. almost. I mean, and, and I'll hit on this real quick too. Jamie Pollard mentioned this on the show. I mean, for for a school like Drake, the idea of playing Iowa State, you know, it's like, yeah, you're going to you're going to get your heads bashed. You know, you're going to get whooped. But you're going to get a check probably and and you're gonna get some really cool exposure and experience i know that means a lot to small small college guys you know i remember i spent spent a day with the grinnell uh college basketball team and they were talking about just how awesome it would be if they got to schedule drake the drake basketball team and they knew they were you know sitting around at lunch saying oh my god you know we'd probably get spanked but god that'd be so much fun so for those small schools it, it really does mean something. It's a really cool experience. And what you said, too, about the um, you know, redshirt rule, I mentioned this before, too, the historical value, too, when you're talking about yes. Iowa State of if they are bowl eligible, they're at six wins, there's substantial difference in an Iowa State season of winning six games or seven games, or definitely you're talking seven games or eight games. I mean, those are historical milestones that aren't accomplished very often, and you want to be able to put in the record book. Matt Campbell wants to be able to put on the resume, and he wants to be able to send out to recruits when he's selling Iowa State football to to recruits that they're doing something um, nobody's ever done. At the end of the day, and at the end of the day, they don't want to be like, yeah, we won six games. We would have won a seventh by gap rained out. That doesn't resonate with people and translate with people. Um, there's, to me, just so much value in getting that 12th game back. And I, I would even add to that, too, um, just like individual statistics, which don't mean a lot at the end of the day, but – but we all have votes on like all Big Twelve and you know those different awards. Remember Randy writing at the start of the season asking Matt Campbell about the importance of having a, a thousand yard rusher in David Montgomery. I mean, yeah, that's that's where I was going with this. It's just you, you'd hate for your guys to. Unf- I would hope most writers do more than just look at yards. 
or, you know, like the, the most basic of basic statistics, but I can guarantee you not all of them are like that. Especially and, when you're Iowa State, too. I mean, yeah. you're not getting the benefit of doubt with your historical performance. Yeah, you need every bit of opportunity to get out there and showcase what you can do. And let's be honest, you know, if you go out there and you beat Drake 66-3, to you're going to, you know, some people are going to, yeah, sure, you know, kind of smirk and roll their eyes. But, but how, any different, how, is, how is that any different than, than, than the mega conference teams playing in their loophole conferences where they don't play everybody? In their in their own conference, I'm, I'm I mean, not, I'm not I'm not saying there is a difference, yeah. but I'm saying people are, you know, if if Iowa State did beat Drake, there would be those those kind of questions. But also, hey, you've got your stats, you've got your win. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah, it. The whole problem with this entire sport, and it's always been like this, is it's just so uneven, and that's kind of where you were just alluding yeah. to, Pete. And and I completely agree with Gary Barta, who last week came out and said we need to all be playing ten conference games. Well, it's not possible in the sake of the Big 12, but you got to even it out at some point. And um, the you know the SEC and ACC refused to to move to that nine game schedule. It's all to benefit them. There's no way to hide it at this point. Yeah, I just don't see why. I'm with you, man. I don't understand why letting an FCS team that's not going to the playoff move to a 12-game schedule. How is that hurting anybody? Gary Bart is part of the problem. I mean, he's he's sitting there and pontificating about everybody should play a 10-game schedule. Well, that's part of the he's part of the problem because he's playing in a conference that that has 14 yeah. 14 teams. He's one of the mega conferences. They can't play 10 games. So I mean, I mean and have it a true round Robin. So he's part of the problem. So I don't, yeah, I don't understand. He told me that when, when I was working on that USA Today project also about, about non-conference scheduling. So I don't, I don't, I didn't get it then and I still don't get it. Well, too bad money is what trumps everything because we need to get back to a geographic like the old days where, you know, Iowa State has games against Nebraska and Missouri, and you can you can drive three four hours. We and need get a to big the game. O, we need a big old bout of, of reorganization, realignment. Let's go <laughs> of realignment. I'm serious though. They're gonna. I'm telling you guys, is attendance continues to drop. Mm-hmm. They are going to have to address this. And Iowa getting a four-year deal with Rutgers like it did a couple weeks ago is not good for that program. I understand, oh, it's a win. You will not sell out Kinnick Stadium when Rutgers comes to town. Iowa State, um, you know, West Virginia doesn't benefit from from being in the Big 12. And Texas Tech doesn't fire up a West Virginia fan. We've got to get back to more of a geographic, a regional type of game. And if Iowa, if Iowa State was in one of those mega conferences – one of those loophole conferences. Who who says that that uh, Oklahoma would even be coming to Ames over the period of? I don't know uh, that they period. would. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And fans this week get to see one of the most entertaining talents there is in college football, um, Kyler Murray. Murray. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, so if Iowa State played in one of those loophole conferences, chances are Iowa State fans would not get to see him in person. Well, and that's not right. The, the Kevin Durant example is the perfect one. I, he never played at Hilton Coliseum. Never, we never saw him play here in Ames. Ridiculous. Your, fan, your pay, fans are paying so much money for tickets, for season tickets, they deserve to see everybody over a two-year period. Yeah, I was skeptical on it when the Big 12 rolled it out, but I love the round robin. I wish that every league did it this way.
play and um, especially in the sport of basketball it's just like it's so hard you know Ross and I have to do this every day where we fill three hours of radio and we're, we're analyzing these teams it's impossible to know it really is impossible to know who's better than who when they never play. And you're trying to compare schedules and you're racking analytics and, and all that stuff is fine and dandy. But until they meet on the field or on the court, you just don't know who it is. And I'm, I'm right there with you guys. All right, when we come back here um, from 6 to about 6.20, we will be uh, talking about Matt Campbell's press conference today. What do we learn? Look forward to that matchup with Oklahoma. Iowa State is, a, depending on where you look, 17 to 19 point underdog. Woof. More Cyclone Insider coming back here on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Migs Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Cyclone Insider here with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Uh, Randy Peterson had to bounce. He had to get out of here. He had some deadline stuff he had to go work on. So it's just me and Birchie. And uh, let's go over it today, Tommy. Matt Campbell had his press conference. And specifically, I mean, I think the, the hottest topic is as we move forward here in game week is the quarterback situation. Kyle Kemp hasn't been ruled out. But nothing really seems optimistic that he will play. That's my read on the situation. What about you? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think I would be pretty surprised to see Kyle Kemp um, out there on Saturday, especially given the situation that you've got a backup quarterback who is more than reliable and ready to handle a situation like this. I mean, he was thrown into the fire a year ago against Oklahoma State at home. And nearly guided Iowa State to a win. I mean, I think a lot of people are like, wow, that it would have been interesting to see had that. I mean, I think it would have been a, a game tying touchdown pass, correct? Um, yeah. That controversial pick. It would have been interesting to see how that would have unfolded if that had been rolled a touchdown because Seb Nolan was playing really well. Not really. I mean, he was playing, he was kind of heating up at that point in the game, I think. And. That could have been a game that really just built some huge confidence in him moving forward because we saw an okay quarterback at Baylor. It was nothing flashy, nothing great, nothing like I think that they anticipate they have in Zeb Nolan. That was more of a... I don't know if they wanted it. Like, I don't know if they were calling plays... I think they were just trying not to lose that game, I, if, that, I if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that they thought they were better than Baylor. They thought that if they kept it really simple, they could still get away with the win. But and Zeb, for the most part, Zeb executed that. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, he, he missed some passes yeah. that he should have made. I mean, I, I kind of looked at that as like his first game, you know, his South Dakota State game. And um, you're probably right in the aspect that, hey, you know, as long as he got the win and got out of there, okay, that's, that's the most important thing. So, um yeah, it's it's. I guess going into this game, I've I've always felt like, and this is kind of an argument I've been having for a long time now. That I feel like, especially this game, Zeb Nolan gives them a better chance to win it because he. You're preaching to the choir, man. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard the arguments Peterson and I have been having no, for a yeah, year? Yeah, I've been there. Uh, the seal <laughs> the ceiling is higher. I think was that the floor is certainly lower too. Yeah. But it's like I said earlier in the show where 
you know, what we praise Kyle Kemp for is his, you know, decision making, his football IQ, his ability to do the simple things. Now that Zeb Nolan has gotten a full year under his belt in the, you know, on the field, even some playing time, we could see him making some serious strides moving in that direction where he is more that consistent quarterback than the young inconsistent gunslinger that we saw at times in his brief tenure last season too. Yeah, no, I think that's fair analysis. Uh, this is Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register here on 1460 KX. I know Cardinals coming up next. Um, what about the backup quarterback? You, you were kind of prying around on on that today, Tommy, and I, I, I don't know if you really got anywhere. I, I don't I don't I don't believe that you did. <laughs> However, uh, it, it, I think I it's yeah, I think it's still an interesting conversation to have. I, I still think – I think Mitchell will play. I don't think we've all thought he would play this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Purdy's the real backup quarterback, though, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's pushing Zeb Nolan, to be honest with you. Yeah, that, I think that part would surprise me a little bit more if it's at that point. No, I don't think that he'll start, but I'm saying, like, if Zeb would go out and have a poor performance and this Kemp thing lingers, it wouldn't shock me if Purdy's yeah, pushing him. I, yeah, I could see that being a legitimate conversation piece at the end of the season. Um, I think I'm along the same lines as you, that Real Mitchell is going to get playing time ahead of Brock Purdy. But that does not mean that Real Mitchell is third on that depth chart. It means that Real Mitchell offers a skill set that no other quarterback in that room can offer and can help them right now. We're as the better all-around, more complete quarterback, guy that can run the offense, complete passes, and be out there snap and snapping in on a consistent basis is probably Brock Purdy. But it's like I said, Real Mitchell offers something that um, nobody else in that room can. And, I mean, my, my gut tells me not only are we not going to see Kyle Kemp this weekend, that this could be an injury that lingers into next weekend. There's too. no point in playing him against Akron if he doesn't I, play this weekend. The only reason why I would say you want to have Kyle Kemp for Akron is just the aspect that you're starting Zeb and now you're putting you know, a really young player in some potentially big moments there in the aspect of Real Mitchell or Brock Purdy, probably Brock Purdy being that next man in. And this early into the season, do you really want a true freshman um, going out there and getting meaningful snaps? And what, I mean, Iowa State's going to win that game against Akron. But the second you, you better knock on wood right now, Birch. The second you start rolling out a fresh, a true freshman quarterback, more questions go up in the air, and I, I think there's more uncertainty. So you kind of get what I'm saying in that aspect. No, I do, especially with a bad offensive line. Exactly. I mean, all, all, all the reasons that um, Kyle Kemp started last season is why you're kind of nervous about throwing a guy um, like Brock Purdy into the fire that early is because not only, I mean, we had heard time and time again that Kyle Kemp had earned the right to start that game. 
that was part of it. Another part of it was that Zeb Nolan simply wasn't ready. I think if Zeb Nolan was ready and they felt 100% confident that he was good to go, Zeb would have been the guy getting that start because at the time there was more potential in Zeb Nolan. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do. I, lo- I can sit here and talk quarterbacks with you for hours. I, I love quarterbacks. I think, too, with what we saw go down at Iowa, when you've got – when you're so limited up front offensively, you've got to have that dual threat. And I'd be shocked if we don't see a hefty load of Real Mitchell. And I don't care who the quarterback is as far as the starter goes. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I – yeah, no matter who the quarterback is, I, I see Real Mitchell game playing time. I, I'm, I'm totally in agreement in the aspect that I, I was really surprised to see he didn't get any type of playing time at Iowa. I understand it though. I think though it was a really tough situation. That's but the situation what? isn't much better this weekend. Well, one thing to keep in mind though, they never got into the red zone. And I, I'm guessing. I mean, if you're well, if we're talking about opening series, they did the opening series, but then they and they tried the thing with Montgomery. But if you think about it, though, Tommy, I mean, where did they use the land ram stuff the most? I mean, exactly. it was the short yardage stuff, but oftentimes it was right up on the on the goal line. So, but I look at that fourth and one situation in the middle of the field too. That would have been a time where you could have thrown yeah. him in the mix. To me, there there's not a this early in the season outside of the South Dakota State game and the Akron game, there's no good time to kind of get his feet wet. You know, at some point, you're looking at, you're probably just going to have to throw him into the deep end and see if he can keep his head above water at this point. Well, I, I certainly hope he can keep his head above water. It's Cyclone Insider here with the uh, Des Moines Register's Tommy Birch on 1460 KXNO. Randy Peterson, uh, he, had to, he had to step away for this segment. Uh, looking ahead, the, here's and this is the problem, Tommy, with the South Dakota State game getting canceled the way that it did. Oklahoma, then there's the Akron game, but then you're at TCU, at Oklahoma State in West Virginia. The schedule is a monster. The the start of the schedule, and that's the problem. I mean, I think a lot of fans. They don't have a good taste in their mouth, but I'm not sure if it's 100% fair because they probably would have had Iowa State played a game. You would have seen some touchdowns. You would have seen a couple of pat. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think it's a little bit skewed. I understand why you have a bad taste in your mouth after the Iowa game, but the vibes just aren't all flowing the way that they potentially could have been with the fans right now. Yeah, and they, but they really weren't last season too. That's why I guess – Right now, out of anything, I kind of give the benefit of the doubt to Matt Campbell that, hey, they probably are going to surprise Iowa State fans somewhere along the line here. Because remember going into last season saying if Iowa State was going to get to a bowl game. Yeah, to beat Iowa. Had to beat Iowa or you had to knock off Texas. Both those things didn't happen. Well, uh, uh, the, the picture entirely changed when they won at Oklahoma. So... Obviously, the picture on this season can entire can change entirely if you win this Saturday, but obviously it's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, you're looking at potentially, you know, a one and three start to the season, and 
I mean, it's crazy to see right now. You can already see the frustration has built in fans because I think there has been such a buildup leading into the season. It's the most anticipated football season probably in Iowa State history. Nothing's gone according to plan. Now, some of that's not even your fault, you know, with the South Dakota State game. But there are a lot of people that just didn't want to accept a possible scenario of even losing at Kinnick. Well, now you've lost at Kinnick. You're facing a really tough opponent this weekend. Um, I, I just think that these are not scenarios anyone envisioned playing out, but there's still plenty of reason for hope because it's like I said, last season was just full of surprises. There's no reason to think something like last season couldn't happen this year. All right, get out of here. Peterson's back. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your contributions, Tommy. Yeah, Pete, you're back. Good to see you. I am. I had my day job to take care of. It's, it's all good. <laughs> what did you learn today at Matt Campbell's press conference? Anything? Um... That the coaching staff took a little accountability for some of the stuff that happened. They've got three new offensive coaches. Well, they've got new offensive coaches. You know, how you want to define it, I don't know. And all, th- all those areas where they had new coaches, they weren't very good. I mean, running back David Montgomery, we've certainly seen him better. I'm not saying it was his fault Saturday, but the Bucks got to stop somewhere. The offensive line wasn't good at all. I mean, I think we all agree on that. Play calling, Matt Campbell said he didn't call a good game. Um, during the during the press conference, he said all that could have improved. So, all those areas where and fans have said it, and rightly so, to wonder at least all those areas where Tom Manning. Maybe you guys talked about that, coach. No, we I, have not gotten to that yet. All those areas where Tom Manning coached, Iowa State did not do well on Saturday. Yeah, no, I mean I, it's hard to argue against any of that. I, I think that um, some of them were expected. I mean, I, I think. I, at least I did. I expected the offensive line to struggle. I, I was really concerned about the quarterbacks um, going into that Iowa game specifically. I didn't see, like, the wide receiver stuff, though. Like, I, I thought that they'd find – you know, Iowa sat back in that cover three and they basically dared them to, to throw it there. It, it would have been a bad spot for Iowa State. But, that, you know, that's the most disappointing part from that game to me, Randy, is that I, I like seeing the – Matchups that are different. You, you know the style that Iowa plays. Iowa State in the Big 12, you do a very different style of deal, and and they just got sucked right into that, you know, that Big Ten West style of grinded out football. And Iowa State doesn't have the personnel to do that. And yeah, you, I would have loved to have seen what Hakeem Butler could have done if he, you know Deshante Jones properly challenged that Hawkeye defense. Absolutely, and and Iowa State is not a smash mouth team like that or a defensively physically defensive physical defensive team like that to play against an Iowa offense or defense it's got punishing lines Iowa State and rightly so Matt Campbell builds his team to play in the Big 12 which is more wide open um and and that's why I I, I'm not discounting anything on Saturday against Oklahoma I mean assuming the line improves and good lord it can't get any worse um, I'm guessing Julian Julian Jones moves actually does start at left tackle now. He has to, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And and you know we all like Sean Foster. We all know that that he's got a wonderful future. But like a lot of left tackles, like a lot of offensive tackles that Iowa's going to face this year, not just Iowa State. Those guys playing, those guys on the end of the offense, on the edges of the offensive line, 
they're going to have their hands full against Iowa. And this being Iowa's first ga- Iowa State's first game, to say what you want to about about not getting having a feel for for how fast the game is, it, it it's a it's a factor. And and after that first series, Iowa made adjustments. Iowa State did not successfully adjust and game set match. Oklahoma, 11 a.m. kick, ABC, Sooners are ranked number five. Iowa State goes into this as, we'll call them a 17-and-a-half-point underdog. That's where the most of the sports books have landed. I would take the points. Not incredibly confident in Iowa State right now, but that, that seems like a lot of points on your, on your home turf. I, I, I just would be really surprised if Iowa State gets beat by three touchdowns. What about you? Yeah, I will too. And remember, last year was 31 point. Yeah, I think it was exactly. 31 at Oklahoma, and Iowa State won. So I'm, I've, I, I guess I, 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 I have faith in, in Campbell and his staff. Um, I'm not so, still not sold on the no, off, no per se offensive coordinator type thing. Um, I, I asked... Um, um, one of the one of the players today, I said, "What's the off-, one of the offensive players?" I said, "What's the offensive chain of command?" You know, calling the play calling chain of command. He looked at me and he said, "I don't know." He said, "He said, but it, he said, but but we know it's going to work. We have faith in in everybody." So, I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying they're not on the same page. I'm just saying it's a total different dichotomy than it's been. At least it sounds like it's been, and that's where losing losing a game. Um, really hurt because, like I said, not only hurt the players, but it hurt the staff because they're in new positions as well. He's Randy Peterson. Thanks to Tommy Birch. We will be back next week. Come tomorrow, it'll be Hawk Central as uh, Chad Leistico, Mark Emmert will hop in, and of course High School Insider, part of our Friday night football coverage here on 1460 KXNL. For Peterson, for Birch, I am Chris Williams signing off, throwing at the car.